good afternoon on this rather dreary, wet, miserable afternoon up in the northeast of Scotland. But in spite of that, the three of us are smiling and having a good old leather. I'm Linda, and I'm your co-host for Time of the Month. Joining me today is Laura, Laura Dagen, and Hello. George Devon. Laura, how are you doing? I'm, I'm really well, thank you. Um, though uh, I have to agree, it's not just up north that it's drinking wet, it is uh, drinking wet down here in central Scotland as well. <laughs> yeah. It's only weather. <laughs> but it was miserable when I went out to the wee coffee morning this morning. I did my hair just perfectly. Oh. And I'm glad I didn't put any hairspray in because it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> the wind blew it every which way. George, is this your first time joining us? Is you know, and I don't remember the last time I actually ever done a podcast. It must have been when I first started university and I tried it, tried my hand at it myself. But it's a real delight to be here. Thanks very much for inviting me to a really special kind of themed podcast. It's wonderful to be here. Well, we're glad you're here. And yes. you see, you're privileged because you're only the third wow. fox in the hen house. Yes. And of course, three is the number of resurrection, isn't it? Of new life. Yes. But that all that aside, <laughs> tell us briefly in about three sentences, all short sentences, who yeah. you are and what you're doing. Well, my name is George Sneddon. I am a probationer minister with the Church of Scotland and at the moment I'm in a vacant charge over in Moss Newcomb East Kilbride, um, which is a, a pilot from the Church of Scotland to put us into positions to get us to learn about ministry in new and different ways. So it's really exciting, really exciting to be there. Well, we're glad that you're here with us and we're glad that you're going to share in some of our, uh, I suppose, understanding or lack thereof, insight, maybe not. Um, but we're looking forward to hearing your wisdom and your understanding and your insight around the woman known as Deborah. Woo! <laughs> George, you're going to give us a brief summary for those and um, maybe who are listening who have no idea who Deborah is. But we know it's the stories in Judges chapter four and five. So over to you, friend. So, I mean, Deborah, first of all, let me say, we just hear a glimpse of her life in these chapters. But what we do here is quite miraculous. This lady, we step into her life at a time when the land of Israel is in conflict. Ehud has died. And there she is, a prophetess called to leadership and be one of the judges of Israel. The first time ever, in fact, that a woman is in a leadership position. And that is the first point. The second point is that she leads with integrity, with honesty, and she sits under the, you know, she sits under this palm tree and exerts judgment um, across the land of Israel. And people come to her for fair and honest judgment and people go from her um, and victory is won for the people of Israel. And in chapter five, we hear her poem done in a much more lovely, vibrant, wonderful way as we see and glimpse into her life. George, that was lovely. Thanks so much for telling us that. And folks, you can grab a Bible quickly and have a wee quick look if you're not sure what we're talking about. Deborah the prophetess. So Laura, have you any thoughts or, or insights to share with us on good old Deborah? Um, yes, what what I find is, is um, so one of the people, so she is, um, uh, so that they're having a, ready to have a battle. And um, she tells um is it, it's Barak, isn't it? Yeah. Barak, like he's got to go out and where he's got to go. And uh, he says that he's only going to go if she goes to. Oh. <laughs> Which, wow. quite cute. 
<laughs> yeah, why like, do you think that was? Because it's totally countercultural, isn't it? Yes, this is so. It's so, um, and this is the thing that really fascinates me actually about Deborah because you think she must have been a woman of real power you know really you know in uh, authority you know if she's got a leader in an army coming and saying uh, I'm only going to go if you go to <laughs> and it's like so the, what you think then as well is Barack is it is it his fear or is he thinking that she's holding like the power of God? You know, maybe because she is a prophetess and because she's been given these judgments. Um, and so is she like a talisman, you know, as well? But there's something there as well. Like, actually, I think he just comes across as a wee laddie, you know, <laughs> this wee <laughs> laddie, you know, like, oh, I need to go with mummy. I need to go with mummy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's that's a that's one way to look at it, isn't it? And um, this army, this this general of the army of Israel, ten thousand men, I think he, he had by his side, and yes. he, he may well be just a wee laddie. Who knows, George? What do you think? What do you think? How was happening when he he came to see Deborah? The interesting thing, this story is entirely countercultural, not just for that reason, but I do what I love about it. I love with the authority and the power that she sends for him. Yeah. You know, so it's not like, could you go and tell Barack to come and see me for a moment? I need to have a word with him. It's like, I want to summon him, get him here right yeah. now. So the yeah. woman automatically, in her own, I think as a person, she just exudes authority. Um, and so that story doesn't just tell us a wee bit about the, the countercultural nature of who she was, but actually about our level of confidence in herself. Our ability to be who she is. She's confident in the Lord. She's confident the Lord is walking above and beyond and beside and behind her. Um, I think one of the biggest lessons from this story is that that's, she's confident in the Lord. That's really important, that, isn't it? Because our, our authority is, her authority is in, is in God. Yeah. And I think that a lot of our authority these days comes from how many degrees we have or how much ego. money we have in the bank or exactly but it's it's a, a different kind of ego um our ego has to our ego has to dive every day take nose dives every day so that we can rest and relax and and wallow in in him and god yeah it's it's curious you know because i was reading what some of the rabbis teach in the midrash and um and they were saying that she uh, was rewarded with the gift of prophecy because she was so good to her husband. I mean, she's known as the wife of Lapidoth and the Hebrew word there, I, I think, uh, Lapid, is it Lapid? For torch. Yeah. And they say that they've, they've created this whole scenario around her. It's not in the scripture, it's not in the text. Um, but this Midrash has created a story around her saying that she was the one who created the most incredible thick wicks to light the tabernacle and his job was the letter of the candles mm -hmm. um, in the, the tabernacle, the place where they, they kept the presence of God and the, the Ark of the Covenant. And so it's interesting that because of her faithfulness as a dutiful wife, a woman who empowered her man, who you know that old saying behind every man there's an even better or even greater woman, that whole notion. But God, I think I think this is curious that God saw her faithfulness and her her ability to be second to her husband and, and give her that, that gift of, of prophesy. Who knows? Aye. All we have is the text, you know? <laughs> I know, see, well, whenever I was um, 
whenever I was looking at it before we had came on, you know, just for a wee refresh, I actually thought, and whenever, you know, um, Barack's saying, oh, well, I'll go if you go, <laughs> um, I was thinking about, um, you know, strong leaders that, that we've had, strong female leaders, yeah. you know, like um, like like Margaret Thatcher. I know Margaret Thatcher's no everybody's cup of tea, you know, and I, I, I know that. But see, like, in The Crown, I don't know if people have watched it, but there's a few scenes in there when uh, Margaret Thatcher's having, you know, the meetings with our uh, cabinet guys. All men. But she, uh, all men, but she's making them dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're up there and she's, you know, making them all dinner. Wow. And then the other person I was thinking about was uh, Angela Merkel as well, who they, like a lot of the Germans will call, I think her nickname's like the, the German word for mummy, you know? So it's just right. like, yes. you know, there's... It's, it's like you've got a powerful woman, but at the same time, there's something there that's um, nurturing and caring, or, and we can go along with her because, oh, I, she's, uh, she's looking after us, you know, like, like a mother would. Okay. And it's this, I'm, I'm thinking that perhaps, you know, and again, it's just completely surmising because we don't have an awful lot of, you know, to go on. But the fact that, you know, people were coming here, you know, for judgment and wisdom, that perhaps... You know, it's like, oh well, we can we can take her authority because, oh, she's like a she's like a mother. Uh, I it's a, I love that idea. I never thought of that. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking Kamala Harris, vice president of the USA, Hillary Clinton. Were they? Was there? Is, is there a maternal instinct about them, or a, a maternal image? I don't see no. a maternal image with them the way we with Angela Merkel. No. no. No, and I think that's probably why that I think in particularly Hillary Clinton's case that a lot of women weren't keen on her, you know, as well. Yeah, I think because there's that, the I think for a lot of women in authority, it's like, oh, it's okay because oh, she's she's like her mum or she's like her granny or something mm -hmm. like that. That the, which is actually a bit of a shame that that's the way it's got it to is, be. It you have to create a a persona that's acceptable before you can accept authority the way Barack accepted the authority of Deborah. Her authority didn't come with her maternal behaviour, but it came with her authority as a beloved of God who was given the gift of judgment and the gift of prophecy. I had a, there's something in there I think that will preach. See, the thing is about this, the, the thing is about this, the, the detail that struck out to me when I read it before we come on was that she sat under the palm of Deborah. Right, and the palm tree has such a significance in the Bible. It stands for uprightness, it stands for faithfulness, it stands for staunchness, it stands for integrity. So just by sitting, I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine the Queen or, or our, our leader Angela Merkel going and deciding policy um, under a palm tree? Yeah. Well, they say also it was near where, where Samuel held his court yeah. as well, you know, in Ramah, Bethel. Yeah. But, but if the, the fact that this... This place is known as the Palm Tree of Deborah. Yeah. Um, is significant to think that it, it was such a significant place that it's like saying when you live in the country, go up to Farmer John's house and turn left until you get to Farmer Aggie's house. And when, you know, she's so well known in that community. Yeah. Oh, I think there's some significance there. Thanks for pointing that out. And thinking as well about thinking about countercultural. Think so. Whenever after Barack says, "Well, I'll just go if you go." Well, then it's Deborah says, Well, that, that's fine, I will, but the victory 
uh, I'll be at the hand of a woman. <laughs> and then, you know, so later on, um, Cicera, you know, who they're fighting against, battling against, is killed by Jail, who yeah. is um, a woman. Um, and so I think it's actually, that that's important as well. So it's not just a story, you know, where a woman leader, but it's actually a woman who is bringing about the victory as well. Yeah, yeah when, I, when I read the story, I hadn't, I initially thought when, when Deborah said that, oh yes, she has a victory, because I hadn't read the story for a long time, but then when I, I went through and remembered the story of Jail and her nail, oh, I, be, I, I read that thing, it was going to be Deborah had the victory, mm-hmm. but it was actually Jail. You know, it's like in the Middle East, you know, when they were fighting ISIS, the the armies were saying, put women in, put women in to shoot them because these men don't want to be killed. They'd be dishonored if they were killed by a woman. So it must be around all that cultural significance of women killing, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. Aye. Because that's the thing. Cicera thinks he's coming for safety. He yeah. thinks he's been welcomed in. And, uh, well, they were part of her, her clan. Was it the Kenites? They were they were part of they were had a peace treaty, didn't they? With yes, Hazor. Uh huh. Uh-huh. they came from Hazor. Yeah, so it's it's interesting that she didn't. And I, I when I was reading the story again, I was asking why am I mentioning her husband out of nowhere? And did he did he tell Cesara that that um the army of Israel had had gone to the Wadi Keshon or or Mount Tabor? What what was all that about? And then of course, as you read the story on. You realise that jail was her, her. She was the, the wife of of the Kenite. Mm-hmm. You know. It's, yeah. It's, you, know, you, often, yeah you, wonder, you wonder. You wonder if when that when Barak has been summoned, right? I wonder if he's done that eye roll. I was like, oh, I knew she would cave. She's needing me. <laughs> She's needing me. Um, and he goes in there. She is. You know, the Lord said you have to take these ten thousand. That's ten thousand army. And he was expecting to be told. You'll need to take over from me, Barack, because I've messed this up because I'm a yeah. wee weak woman and I've never yeah. managed it. And yeah, turns me. out actually that's not because he's came running thinking, yes, I've yeah. done it. She's yeah. failed. And actually she hasn't. It's... Yeah. I love the details of that. The, you know, when she says to him, go take position at Mount Tabor. Yeah. So she's down in, in Ramah and Bethel, which is near Jerusalem. And mm-hmm. she's saying, get yourselves away up to Mount Tabor. Yep. And Tabor's away in the north near the Sea of Galilee. Mm-hmm. And Naphtali and Zebulun, the two tribes that are mentioned in chapter four, as opposed to the six tribes in chapter five. But Zebulun and Naphtali are up there by, by Mount Tabor. But it's the detail. Yep. She says, bring 10,000 men from the two tribes. And God in this prophecy says, I will draw out Caesarea to meet you by the Wadi Kishon. And we'll give him into your hand. And it's it's the specifics, and I'm impressed. In fact, if you if you sit and read the whole book of Judges, in fact, a lot of the Old Testament, there's these wee minute details. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, well, somebody had the wit and wisdom to write all these details down. And I think about presbytery meetings and minutes, and I think, <laughs> oh dear doctor, do we have to listen to this? But we do have to listen to it. It's important. Details yeah. are important because it provides evidence. You know, yes. details of the locations tell us this is where it happened uh-huh mm-hmm. i could well see that's the thing i did uh in my last year of uni i did a uh, class um on judges and uh, I, i've got a particular like i've got a love hate relationship with judges because yes. it's pretty brutal but at the same time you've got 
actually all this wonderful, wonderful detail about mm. the time. And, and there, there is all this about places. And I think there's so much you can look into in place names. And actually when people are named, there's so much that you can, you know, say about it and find out about it. And it just, when you dig in, when you actually do your digging, the story just comes alive, you know, and you get all this more, it's not, you don't even need to go and read commentaries, you know, you're well, able to get yeah. all your understanding from the actual text. So. Yeah, and I, I sit with a map all the time because you think, well, how far would that be and how long would that take and, and what did they pass through and where did they go? And mm -hmm. I love sitting with a map to see where about, and I look at the ancient map, but I also look at the contemporary map and I think, oh, right, okay, great. It's just, it blows my mind. It really does. Aye. Yeah. And then um, what's really great as well at the end of that, um, after, well, we have a song. We have a song from Deborah. Uh, on that day, Deborah and Barack uh, sang this song. So there's this, a, a song that we have for the battle and what happens. Um, and then after it, it says, then the land had peace for 40 years. And you think, oh, aye, that's because you've got a wise woman now. <laughs> <laughs> or is it just significant, the number 40? <laughs> you don't know. You know, it's, it's all these numbers in the Bible. But yes, I, I, I think with, with the woman leading, it will have been wonderful. But it's the same, isn't it? The pattern of judges, there's peace, and then the, mm -hmm. the, the judge dies, and then they go off and do something stupid. Yeah. You know? Um, and you, it's, it's a, you think... Will they ever learn? But then you ask yourself, well, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I repeat patterns. Yeah. Aye. And that's, uh, I think we all do, don't we? And that's, I know that I, I've said before about how difficult I find the Book of Judges, but that's actually one of the wonderful things about it is it's like, it's, it is kind of like a case study uh, of humanity and humanity's psychology as well. Yes. And yeah. because we do all, we all do it. We all like at times in our life fall into like old patterns of behaviour or oh, no, we've no learned our lesson <laughs> and, we, and we go and do it, we repeat it all over again and it's, uh, it's, aye, it's difficult. Mm. And I think it's that's whenever, especially I think whenever you take your eyes, you know, off of God, you know, and you're get all these other influences going on round about you it's it's easy to, to do that and I think it just highlights you know within um within this you know yeah. that's what happens seeing that song seeing that song she sings there's a wee there's a wee verse in it that says let me just find it for you verse seven village life in Israel ceased mm. until mm. I Deborah rose Right. What does that mean to say? Imagine village life ceasing. We've, we've been in that situation this last 18 months where life has ceased because we've all been stuck indoors. We've all been taken away. There's, it doesn't seem very hopeful. And there's God sending along this woman. And it goes on to start saying it, it, that whole statement ends with praise the Lord. You know, yeah. So we've gone from the village life has ceased to mm -hmm. praise the Lord. And that is repeated and repeated and repeated till the end of that song that Deborah and Barak sing, whom they sing it together. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a unity thing there as well you know that there's there's an equality and equity thing going on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder why it, hasn't, it didn't carry through I wonder why the rabbis for example in the Midrash and Agada or Agada I don't know how to pronounce it um, I wonder why they try to harmonise these texts 
to fit in with their understanding of male-female roles. What do you think that's about? What do you think? Why do you think they feel the need to say, well, God blessed her because she was good to your husband, as opposed to God called her, chose her, and blessed her, affirmed her, and gave her ministry? What do you think's going on there? Aye. Well, see, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like this, um, you know, she she defies, you know, what what um, a lot of men would have thought about women at the time. Um, and and she's proved, you know, she's proved the doubters wrong. Um, and I, I don't know, there's something there. I think it's like the, there's like a, it's, I think there's, there's a, like a, fragility of like I think some egos you know yeah. uh, of people in power and it's um and I think that that's just what's happened you know it's like no no we're we're the guys we're the ones with authority you know we know we know the way <laughs> you know it's interesting and- when you think about that some people think that the story was written um or the, 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 the poem song was written the 12th of the 7th century BCE um but, and you look at today and what's going on in Afghanistan mm. and how the women are, you know, must all be done via their husband or the men in their lives. It's, it's, it's strange that, that, that this thousand, two thousand, three thousand years later, or I, mean, I can't do the maths, but you know what I'm saying? A very, very, very long time later, that's still the practice in our world. I know. There's a, there, was a, there was a situation that rose in the 50s when Joan Collins wanted to audition for a film and she went to the audition and just before she went in, Marilyn Monroe was there. And Marilyn Monroe's statement to her, and she said this on, on This Morning, I think the television programme was, she said, you'll not handle it, honey, they'll get you to do things you'll never want to do. And I think that speaks to the society then, but it also speaks to the society in which Deborah was in. You know, I am sure we're not seeing the full picture of the pressure that she probably was under mm-hmm. from the people that were surrounding her. Um, and yet she endured it. Mm-hmm. And also, piggybacking on that, why was there not another female judge after Deborah? You can't tell me for one second that she was the only wise. No, no, no I, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Um, but I think it's, again, it's like... Um, <laughs> I think it's you think about how long it's taken for like women, you know, to be taken seriously within politics, you know, yeah. and it's still like big news, you know, for like you know that it'd be like equ- equality within parliaments, you know, and things like that, and you're like this shouldn't be news. Um, would you rather have another couple of women, or would you rather have someone like Samson? He was a half-wit around women, you know? And so was David. Yeah, well, exactly. They were all mental. <laughs> yeah, but, but David wasn't a judge. I'm talking about judges. Um, yeah. I mean, and look at um, Shamgar. He, he had a very short reign as a judge, didn't he? Look at Gideon. Mm-hmm. He needed proof not once but mm-hmm. twice yeah. that God was talking to him, you know? It's just, it's just strange to me. You know, and I wonder whether the people who were putting together the book of Judges as we know it, um, the scrolls, I wonder were the editors just anti-women or were they um, afraid that, that, that women might take over 
were they afraid that women were smarter than them? No offense, George, smarter than them. Um, you know, what was what was going on behind all this? I, I think they I think they brought the editors probably had an agenda as well. You know, and you can see that there is an agenda throughout that book, you know, because we're building towards, you know, getting a king, you know, this is, you know, what we're yeah. building towards. And uh, so you can't have too many wise women in there because otherwise it's, <laughs> but it's going to be um, counterintuitive, isn't it, to actually what the yeah. agenda is. Yeah. Um, and so perhaps there was, but, do you know, it's like, well, we're, we're, not, going to, we're not going to highlight them because um, they're not getting the, you know, there's probably, you know, there was, it's more like the stories are, I think, about the people that have messed it up. You just need to look at, like, our own society. You know, we love to get a story about folk that have oh, messed yeah. up, especially people in power that have messed up. Yes, especially <laughs> you know, women. Aye, and, the, you know, we've got the bumblers and we've got the womanizers and we've yeah. got all the rest yeah. of it. And so Judges does, the, the whole book kind of comes in under that. So it does, aye. I, I find it hilarious that um, in the, the teaching of the rabbis, for example, and, and you know, Israeli understanding, there, there are only 23 righteous women. <laughs> And then there are only seven prophetesses. Um, and I just, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Were they just blind and ignorant of, of women who were righteous? Um, and and the se- I mean, you know, the seven prophetesses, I had to write it down. Sarah, Miriam, um, Huldah, Abigail, Hannah, Esther, and Deborah. They were the seven prophetesses. And I would never have said Esther was a, a prophetess or... You know, or even Abigail. Aye. These I women were considered prophetesses. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's just, Aye. Really, I just, I'm fascinated by the whole, mm-hmm. what's going on behind it, the psychology of it all, and the, you know, the, it's all the cultural context and how we take that. And we try to make it, um, but we try to harmonize it, I suppose, with our cultural context, which couldn't mm-hmm. be further away. It's like planet Mars compared to the, the Old Testament. Aye, it's um. I, another, I see. In the, in the oh, you go, George. And the other scheme of things, you know, we're we are, we're talking about the word of God here, right? So God's God had a hand in these books being written, and so I think there is something in the fact that we're sent we're sitting here what three thousand five hundred years later, realizing what God really meant, and we're showing that amongst all these unrighteous men, there is a righteous woman, and perhaps you're right. What is what what's what's not happened is that we've just been told about bashful of lies. We've been told the absolute truth that you know if 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 this was really the case where folk were writing this to try and make guys look great, then they've done a pretty terrible job <laughs> to make them look great. Because um, what they've done is they've made Deborah look great and they've made um, all the men look silly. Um, and so maybe the people who were studying this early probably didn't see that and took this advantage of there's more men in power than there's women but that's I don't know if that was God's intention I think God's intention was to see this for what it really is and for this woman who loved the Lord sat under the palm tree was able to take Israel to victory and then expose that in comparison to all these guys who screwed it up (laughs) maybe maybe you never know Well, is there anything else you want to say about Deborah? I mean, we could talk about jail and her the violent 
um, act and how much strength it would have taken to put that tent peg from one pe temple through the brain into the other temple and out into the ground mm -hmm. because it says it's stuck into the ground. Mm -hmm. But do we want to go to jail or we want to finish off with Deborah and then move on to more modern day? Well, actually, something that I read that I thought was quite interesting actually is about how in like art there's actually more depictions of jail than there is a Deborah. That's right. And you're like, hmm, now that's that's interesting. Um that's like the modern day obsession with um bad news selling papers, isn't it? They're, aye, they're uh -huh. willing to, to paint a woman who puts a, a tent peg through some some poor fella's head than they are to, to paint a woman who's renowned for her wisdom and, and prophetic powers. Every every picture I looked at of Deborah, she was portrayed as her hand reaching up as if to say, come on, forward into battle, you know? It's uh it's interesting, and I'm sure all the artists and that painted the pictures were men. Um, interesting to see. Just to, I would love to, to sit down with a man and and ask an artist and ask why would they have painted Deborah in that way? It's like by the way they, they paint women, you know, voluptuous women, and and how they portrayed Mary Magdalene and Bathsheba. Yes, uh, I. Uh -huh. I see. I think that's the thing. Probably we we jail they're getting that kind of rawness aren't they that it's you know something a wee bit more primal where it's you know there's a holiness about deborah that isn't quite as um for somebody to, you know look at and paint maybe <laughs> yeah maybe but if you're reading the text jail's portrayed as a savior of israel you know she's portrayed as the one who rids Israel of this man who commanded 900 iron chari chariots, mm -hmm. you know, so is, is, she, is she the heroine as well? You know, um, I mean, the victory, victory um, for her, for Israel, the liberation uh, for Israel was through her hand, not through Barak's mm -hmm. or, or Deborah's. Yeah, you know? I read um, that, uh, that Deborah, is, she's like the good mummy. And uh, jail as the bad mummy. Who in the right mind would say something so ridiculous? Well, that was uh, that was in some feminist writing, so it was. Oh my word! You also, like, you also, really, you also get, really. <laughs> you also get that same. You also get that same contrast with um, Sarah and Hagar. I yes, mean, yeah. you, mm -hmm. you do get that good bad women, good mm -hmm. bad women kind of yes. thing going on, and it's like, it, listen, it's cultural again to pit two women against uh -huh. each other. I, I remember when Theresa May came up to Scotland to talk, they pitted Theresa May and Nicola Sturgeon right against each other, but it doesn't happen when it's two guys. Aye, that and that's it. That they, that's it exactly, George. They don't yeah. do that. They're yeah. just two men that are oh, I two men that are doing a good job, yeah. <laughs> you know, or or their adversaries, but you know, or there's a you know, it's there's a good humor in there, and you know, uh -huh. but but when it's two women, as it it's more like I, uh, you've got to have the good one and the bad one, and again, it's this like well, we can have one that's acceptable because. Oh, I we can you know have her as if like she's she's holy, um. But or oh, we don't we don't like a woman that is maybe going to you know 
use all our wiles, you know, to to um, trap even for the good of our country, yeah. you know, to trap a man. Um, we don't want a woman that um, you know would kill a man even for the good of our country. Um, so it's it's I think it does definitely come down to well how how we culturally view women you know and it's you've got this and you've got your good women and you've got your um your your bad women i'll say again laura i mean i mean that's not even you know that's not biblical that's not what god intended us to see we've just created Mm -hmm. that because our culture likes yes men and ahead of a race of women and they don't like to equalize women whenever you see two women together it's never a comment on their intellect it's a comment on what they're wearing Aye, what their legs look like or what their hair's like or what fashion designer they've used. Uh If you look at the Met Ball that just happened, you know, there were people there were, the guys that were there were talking about how how they were creative with their costumes, but they looked at the designer that women were wearing. It wasn't about their intellect. Aye. They were just porcelain models. Aye. And again, then it's like that. Like we spoke about Hillary Clinton briefly earlier on, and it's that exact same thing. You know, it's like, oh, you know, we don't like her as a woman because, oh, she uh, seems to be like putting up with stuff so that she can get ahead. Mm. You know, that that was something that a lot of, you know, that they, she put yeah. up with the infidelity and because she wanted to get ahead. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we don't know what's going on in her head. We don't know yeah. what... Um, you know her motivations are but that was other women that done that you know yeah. as well it wasn't just men you know it was other women yeah, that that's that. the, i think that's what i find really hard when other women vilify mm-hmm. when women vilify other women for for no good reason um which brings us i suppose to a nice bridge for looking at women in the news and um today are you happy to move into that yes uh-huh hi um one of the things that uh well, on a lighter note, but a very hard note, um, as opposed to uh, all the violence we've been talking about. Britney Spears was liberated today. Oh. Servitorship of her father. Um, after 10 years, this woman with two kids and a massive career and millions in the bank that she manages and so on and so forth has been under his. She couldn't. She, she, he he had to prescribe tablets. He, she had to get permission if she wanted to have... Um, a medication, everything in her life he controlled. That was that she wasn't even allowed to like have any more children if she wanted. Right. You know, yes. I I just think the whole thing as um I do you know it made me think about you know how a lot of women were treated in the you know the 19th century, probably before yeah. that as well. And that if they showed any, you know, any sort of spirit. You know, they were maybe put into the sanatorium or, you know, they were married off or, um, you know, that they just weren't allowed, you know, to be able to have control over their own lives. And you're thinking in this day and age, that is, I I just think it's shocking that that was actually allowed to happen to a a woman who was successful. Mm -hmm. You know, she obviously had her own kind of mental health problems for a time, but surely she should just have being allowed to get herself well, be yeah. a mum, you know, if she wanted to carry on her career, but the, it's just this control. And you're thinking, this is shocking that that was, that was allowed to happen. So I am glad that um, Brittany's yeah. been freed. I rejoice, Brittany is free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And what about that, the, the, she's a classical flautist, 
Belarus, Maria Koleznikova. Koleznikova, I'm not pronouncing her name properly, but um, you, you, you guys know about her. She was, uh, she, she went to the border and they arrested her, but, but she tried to tear up her passport and, and jumped off and tried to escape. But they got hold of her and they've put her in the clink because she protested. There's a wonderful article in The Guardian about her at the minute um, and how she stood up against the dubiously elected or re-elected leader in Belarus. What's your thinking there? I think she's a, she is a real symbol of power and strength to people in that country because they must be really living in fear. You know, especially people thinking, well, can our flights get diverted? Can we get taken off? Yeah, you know, yeah. to still be able to, to still be speaking out. Um, you know, she's got she's got such a strength that, you know, even though she's been, you know, held and incarcerated, um, she's still having a strong presence. Where do you um, think she gets your strength from? Uh, do you know, I, I just keep thinking of the word righteous, you know, yeah. you know, it's this like there's a righteousness there for, you know, justice. Yeah. And it's like, no, you know, what you're doing is wrong and you're not going to, um, you're not going to get me down. It's this. And that's just, I just think with the way that the world is, it's just so heartening to see that that you, you know, that this strength is there, even if it's trying to be getting kept down and hidden away, it's, it's not. She's starting up for truth, isn't she? Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Capital T. And there's, there's I, I am convinced that the Spirit of God must be strengthening that young woman. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think so too. illegally. Mm -hmm. in, I think she's in solitary, even though there's another bed in the cell. You know, to be a classical musician and not be able to perform, it's just, I, don't, I think, take my hat off to her. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing as well. I don't know what her um, own particular, um, you know, faith is, if she has any, but I just think God works, you know, yeah. the Holy Spirit works through people yeah. who, who have no faith, you know, have faith different from ours. The, the, the Holy Spirit is at work in this world and I think especially within that country you know there has to be this ignition of a fire that just keeps just keeps burning away and burning away mm. um and so I think that the actually truth is like kind of like well I'll go off on a rant in a minute <laughs> but truth <laughs> is like George rescue <laughs> it's like it, it's actually like um it's it's getting it's getting played down and played down throughout the world. And so it's like any of these embers, you know, that are burning up of truth that we can get, you know, we need to grasp a hold of them um, and take heart. And from that example, see, well, you're, you're, in a, you're in a prison cell. Well, we're not. We can be out here, you know, speaking the yeah. truth, looking she, for justice. She corresponds with a couple of hundred people every month. And, you know, as I was reading about it, I was thinking, I'm going to write that woman a letter. I don't mm -hmm. expect a reply, but I'm going to write and say to her, I'm going to hold you in prayer and I'll thank you for standing up. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, maybe I can't stand up. Um, maybe we don't have the same hardships that they have. But I hope to God I would stand up if I had to, mm -hmm. you know, in such circumstances. 
I think the rest, the rest truths that we do have to stand up for. Yeah, George, what were you going to say there? Oh, you know, this is a, this is our Palm of Deborah. You know, she's sitting under. Psalm ninety two says, "Righteousness flourishes like a palm tree." Right. So, um, she's flourishing. I mean, she might not be able to be in the world, but what she's sending out, if she's got righteousness, God will honor that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, I don't care who that's from, but if righteousness is in the world, God will take it and use it and mold it and break it and make it for Himself. Um, and He will do wondrous works through it. Look at the suffragettes. Yeah. You know they changed the world. Elizabeth Fry, who's anniversary. Absolutely. Person. Remember, the suffragettes had to run in front of the king's horse. Yeah. Um, to actually get yeah. a vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Change the world. Yeah. Change the world. And that's it, you do have to, I think sometimes there is, you've got to, um, really, you've got to take that risk. You've got to take that okay. risk for, you know, justice and righteousness. You've got to just push yourself forward. There's something about when Jesus talks about the seed going into the ground um, and the parable of the sower sowing recklessly with wild abandon, just getting out there and doing it, just just do it. And the seed, we're not responsible for the seed. All we have to do is put it into the ground and yeah. allow God to do all the work. And it's a bit like, I think that's what that girl Maria is part of, isn't it? You know, she spoke out and she's been, I suppose, well, she's incarcerated, but, but God's nurturing her and watering her seed, the seed of hope of righteousness and truth. And, you know, by the grace of God, Hopefully things will change in Belarus. We can ask the same for our own church. Yeah. Yes. Again, look at look look at the look at the testimony of someone like Raducanu who won the US Open, right? I mean that has that has just transformed young girls' lives to really go and do something amazing with their life. Yeah. You know, there was on the TV the other week there that there were some girls in Brooklyn in New York who had never lifted a tennis bat in their life or never had done anything with sport and actually thought, I'm going to try it because someone showed me it's possible. That's wonderful, isn't it? That's a revolution. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in 10 years' time, maybe we'll hear their names mentioned. Absolutely. That's great. Amen. Um, one of the things that um, I was thinking about today as well was there's a new film coming out about postnatal depression. And it's big names, and it's by big, I can't remember the name of the director, but it's a big name director. And it's getting wonderful, wonderful um, write ups. What, what do you think about postnatal depression in a movie? Is it, is it right? Is it the right um, avenue? Entertainment? Is it the right avenue for? I I, I think so because um, I think it's whenever people see things on the screen, you know, it it starts conversations. Um, it it normalizes it as well, you yeah. know. So you know, you think it when you've just had a baby it's such a vulnerable time and you know you've got people coming in you've got you know a health visitor you've got you know your senior doctor and actually you can worry oh see if I tell them the truth you know oh will something happen to me well you know will they take away my my baby you know it's you're really vulnerable and I think to be able to you know, see a film, you know, because it's, I think not everybody watches soaps. I know they do this like in like soaps sometimes, but not everybody watches them. 
But I think if it's a big name director, you've got, you know, um, it, it's going to get attention and it's this normalisation that it's okay. To, it's okay to have these feelings and it's okay to verbalise it and talk about it and um, get help. The film, if you're, if you're curious, folks, is called A Mouthful of Air. And there's a wee trailer on YouTube. It's worth looking at. And it looks to me, just from the trailer, that there's real hope. I mean, it, it doesn't avoid the issue, the, the, the pain, um, the sorrow, but there's hope undergirding it. And I got that just from the trailer and the language that was used in the trailer and the colours, actually, that were, were used in the trailer said a lot. So we're just keep an ear open and an eye open for that. I think it's due out in November. I don't know why I say in November. Maybe it's in the dark recesses of my mind. Um, George, you were, you were telling us earlier about, I thought when you talked about Good Morning Show, is that what it's called, The Morning Show? I morning thought, Show, yeah, it's on Apple uh, TV, yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of that. And I thought you were talking about Good Morning Britain. I don't watch TV. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's, it's, it, I mean, it's actually based on a, a similar theme to what you get in every morning in every country. You know, we've got a morning breakfast show. It starts at 7 a.m. You've got the presenters, the male and the female up there. The whole business is focused on that for the first few hours of the morning. It delivers the news. It's a news bulletin show. Um, and so you're, you're, I want you to imagine Piers and Susanna, right? But it's actually Jennifer Aniston and this other guy who are who are the presenters. And the story develops through the, the rise of the Me Too movement. Um, and Jennifer Aniston's character um, finds herself in a position where her colleague, who she's worked with for 25 years, has been found to be having been abusive to women in the office and has been acting inappropriately with other women and coercing women to sleep with him because he's got power. And she's faced with the try the, the, the decision as to whether or not she says anything um, and whether or not she loses her job. And then they bring in this other woman, Reese Witherspoon, who takes over the morning show with Jennifer Aniston's character and they present. And it gets to the stage where Reese Witherspoon is a journalist. She wants to expose the, 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 the industry for what it's been doing to women in how it's been coercing women into do things and how it's been telling the, the, the organizers of the whole thing have been making women do this in order to keep their jobs. And in the very last episode, I'm not wanting a spoiler because this doesn't spoil the intricacies of the show, but if you watch it, the last episode is they go on the news and they're prepared, their hearts are in their mouth, they're sweating, they're angry, but they're also really nervous and they're going to go on television and they're going to tell the world on the morning show what's been happening in behind closed doors and what the truth is. And as soon as they start doing it, they go off, water flies everywhere, the characters are all angry, and then it cuts. And that's the last episode, because the, the, the network cuts them off, because they don't want that story out. Mm -hmm. We've just been talking about what it's been, what it's like for sometimes that what we, the stories we read are often cut off um, at prime points, because that story can get out. Yeah. It's protecting too many people. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, the good news today is that the story of Deborah is out. Yeah. And the story of her authority, of her power in God, the yep. story of her wisdom, and the story of who she is as a beloved daughter. Yeah. And, and I love that we, male and female, are made in the image of God. Yep. And I love the equity and the, the, the sense of God calls us both. It calls us all, regardless of our gender identity, and says, I love you. You are mine. 
now go away and love others the way I love you. Mm-hmm. So that's for me what I hold on to. Um, and, and maybe hold on to, and maybe we maybe need to challenge a wee bit more the role of women in our church and in our local congregations and in our society to, to tell the whole story mm-hmm. and be part of the whole story. Anything else you want to say before we say cheerio? No, I think we've actually covered a lot today, haven't we? We really have. It's been a great um, conversation today. I've really enjoyed it. Good. Mm. Well, just to say, um, before I say thank you to George, uh, just to say to the the listeners, we're sorry we're a wee bit late this month um, in offering the podcast. We promise we will do it in the next two weeks for the next month. So we're playing catch up. It's been a crazy busy season. And we'll, we'll do better. Yes. So we hope that you've had a really good experience. Do feel free to contact us and agree, disagree, affirm, um, shake your fist, whatever. Give us your thoughts. If there's a woman that you think in scripture that you'd like us to talk about, then let us know. Just email us at Sanctuary First. And George, we want to say thank you so much. I love, what I, one of the things I love about you is your ability to see things differently to others. And that's a gift from God, the way Deborah's gift of prophecy was yeah. from God. Don't ever, don't ever um, toe the line. Be yourself. Be the man God's called you to be. Be your true self, because your true self is just who you're meant to be. And don't conform. Thank you. Thanks for your time, and your energy, and your wisdom. And we'll look forward to having you again. Yes. That's it for Bye. now. Say cheerio, friends. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah. See you soon, folks. Bye-bye. Bye.